Hi everyone, this is Shimona. This is Shivani. I'm Chitra. And we're three friends that like to question the happenings of the world. This is a place where we can document those learnings and explore our curiosities further. Thank you for joining us. We hope you like it. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever you are. <laughs> so, what's the book that we're talking about, Shivani? We're talking about The Collective Schizophrenias by Esme Weijun Wong. Um, she's a writer. She's grappled with schizophrenia um, and bipolar disorder and Lyme disease her entire life. And so this book is kind of um, a documentation or a collection of essays about her experiences. Nice. So uh, first we're going to start talking about um, how did you guys feel about this book pulling you in immediately? And did you have a hard time getting into the book at first? Hmm. Um, so it did take me a bit to get into this book. I think I was expecting from the get-go for it to be about like her experiences with schizophrenia. And I think I was ready for a memoir. Um, but instead, it, it felt like there was a lot of jargon that was unfamiliar and felt kind of like uncomfortable sometimes. Um, yeah. since I like had never read a book about schizophrenia before and and mm -hmm. like I I think that like that would make it hard for me to focus sometimes yeah mm -hmm. um but then like once I just grew more comfortable with all the like vocabulary then it like started to fascinate me and I think that really pulled me in just like realizing this is some like it felt good to like read about something I just really did, was ignorant about Mm. You know? Yeah, like out of your comfort zone. Exactly, mm -hmm. yeah. Felt like my brain was growing mm -hmm. <laughs> reading about it. I'd say it was similar too. The jargon also tripped me up in the beginning. Because uh, there were so many... It was a context that I've never really explored. So I was a little bit like, uh, I don't know if I can... Like, it, you can empathize with maybe how somebody's feeling emotionally. But sometimes the words she was using, I was like... I don't know what that means, or, like, in relative yeah. to, like, medical terms or something. So it wasn't, in the beginning, it was a little bit, like, I was, like, picking up and putting it down more so, like, more inconsistently, but then it got much better throughout yeah. the middle Definitely. and towards the end. Yeah. I feel like once I started getting a sense of her, like, identity was, like, slowly starting to build and build throughout the book and, like, what she's been through, I was more on board. Yeah, so, like, on the opposite end of that... I felt totally drawn in from the mm. book, like, at the get-go, but also, it, like, the, exclusively the books I read are, like, psychoanalytical, all, yeah. like, this heavy yeah, on oh this jargon. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I feel like I've just had, like, fostered an interest in all of it for, like, a while, so it was a little different. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't, honestly didn't even notice it was heavy on the jargon until you guys, like, mentioned it. Mm, um, yeah, because yeah, I mean, after a while, you kind of get used to like, oh, it's not just schizophrenia. There's like different levels of schizophrenia, and they like it's actually just like an umbrella term for like different types and things like that. So, mm -hmm. and also like, granted, me being into like true crime a ton, like you, <laughs> yeah, you learn all true crime. <laughs> yeah, my obsession. Um, mm -hmm. So I feel like it goes hand in hand, like you know, mental illness and like true crime most of the time. Either you're dealing with like victims who are like traumatized by an event. How does it affect them in the future? Or it's like, well, this like person who experienced like violent tendencies due to different mental illness compounded with other things, like not mm -hmm. to say people with mental illness are violent. Right. Um, but yeah. So I feel like it it just was in my ballpark. Hmm. Okay. 
Yeah, I remember when we first started reading it, you were like, you have to start reading this book. Yeah, it was like, super it's so good. Yeah, yeah, I was just starting to read it, and you were like, yeah, I'm like almost done with it. <laughs> it's like really good. Yeah, it was very into this one. Good picture. <laughs> Thanks. A point that she brought up in the beginning that I'd love to discuss, where mm-hmm. she kind of focused on it in the beginning, but then like brought it up frequently towards the end, too, of like what it means to be normal. And she, that's something she's, like, grappled with a lot and feeling like, well, there are parts of me that are normal. I think she was saying, I responded by trying even harder to seem normal when I wasn't, like, having hallucinations. Like, I went dancing, I drank, like, alcohol, I ate potato skins and Irish bars and pizza joints. And so I did all the normal things that I could think of. And I just thought that was an interesting take on, like, what we deem as normal and, like, how that fits into other people's perception of normal. Yeah. And um, she also said it in terms of employment. Like, employment remains a primary marker of someone who is high-functioning as having a job as the most reliable sign that you can pass in the world of normal, which is kind of sad. I feel like we just put so much emphasis on, like, well, what do you do? What is your job? Like, how are you yeah. being of value like to society? It's the first question you ask someone when yeah. you meet them. Like, yeah. What do you do? But I found that in America, I've heard that people put much more of a focus on it. Like abroad, people find it odd that here, that's like the first question you ask somebody is like, what do you do? But that doesn't really come up as much. Yeah, that's like secondary to your identity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That honestly might be just like a privilege because like in this country, even the people we interact with generally are, like, privileged enough to, like, everyone has an income, or mm-hmm. everyone has a need, like, a way to have an income, and maybe even, like, ableist, like, all of, just, like, having privilege in general, but then when you go to, like, I don't know, India, or, like, other countries, it's, like, you can't expect everyone to have an income, mm-hmm. and then even, like, what, if you're talking to, like, a person with, like, a visible disability, I feel like your first question will be, like, what do you do? Right. Yeah. 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 And it and we kind of have that privilege of choice. Like it's kind of like asking someone, like, what did you choose to do, or like, what are you passionate about? And yeah. and I feel like that's uniquely American and uniquely privileged too. It's like not something everyone's afforded. Yeah, and even just the generation before is in America. Like, I don't think my parents ever thought about what they're passionate about. I think they thought like, hmm, what's gonna like make me the most money the quickest and easiest way. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and everything was very <laughs> like set in stone, and there was like a series to your life like get the job then you get married you have the kids but then we were just talking about this too of like these are things that they just didn't think about yeah and in some ways it's almost like oh well that's liberating to kind of have your life like set on track for you if you don't have to like like here we're just sitting on the couch and you're like okay we're 25 now like what do we do with our life like where do we go what do we but those are things that they like never really had to even question it was just like done for them which is kind of the way I look at maybe this is going to be controversial and going to be canceled but kind of like the way I look at religion like it's it like answers everything for you yeah and there's very little oh, sense yeah, of that like was such a, yeah we were talking about this Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of what her last essay was about, right? Yeah, yeah. Like finding something concrete through like. Faith. I thought that yeah. last essay was so fascinating. Just like, I even like made a note about it because mm. um, I feel like it touches on. Okay, this is all the the essays where like I've had all this trouble and like, like this is, I don't know, like my struggles on a day to day basis. And then she oh she ends with this like. Well, I've turned to science, I've turned to, like, all these options, Mm -hmm. 
And the only thing that is really helping is like looking inwards. Like it's not medication. I think that's the same with so many mental illnesses. It's like Mm -hmm. medication is never the answer. It's like the aid. Definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like it's always you have to think differently in a way. Or at least, like, try to work on, like, yourself before you're ever going to fix yourself. Yeah, because I think she mentioned, like, she would never want to quit her medication or talk therapy because she wouldn't want to, like, face the storm again. Yeah. Like, she just doesn't want to, like, like, go down that spiral again. And it's like an aid. Like, it helped her. Mm -hmm. Right. For sure, yeah. But I feel like, I think ending on that is so important to be, like, never take, like, medication just as your end-all be-all. Like, you have to have that be supplementary to, like, your actual, however, like, what what's up, like, who am I, like, where, what's gonna fix me, I guess, mm-hmm. depending on what illness you have. Yeah, even though that's kind of what, like, Western medicine, like, tells you to do, like, just rely on what, like, a medical professional says, like, you know, mm-hmm. faith, or faith or, like, belief doesn't have as much to do with it, mm-hmm. and I feel, it's just interesting how she, like, starts to explore that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, like, very, you know, anti the f- big pharma and, like, all these, like, conglomerate, like, things that capitalism has fostered, but let's not get into mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah, another episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what did you guys think about, like, that in the book? Because I feel like, like, reading it reinforced so much of what I already thought about big pharma and how America just totally botches mental illness, like, mm. in so very many different ways. Mm-hmm. She had, um, she mentioned how, like, people, if you think about, like, the difference between a a mental disease or a mental condition versus, like, a physical disability, and how the stigma behind them is so different and treated very different, like, medically, and also in the way people respond to you. So, like, when people say, like, if you have cancer, you say, like, I have cancer, but you don't say, like, I have schizophrenia, you say, like, she's a schizophrenic. Like, that's Mm -hmm. just, like, a part of her identity. Yeah. And, like, that, I find, is just, like, stems, is, like, the root of, like, why we have such a corrupt way of handling so much of, like, the mental health that we try to fix in our uh, medical industry. It's just, like, the way we look at it is, like, these people aren't even, like, human. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so some people are, like, oh, well, they just can't be treated. Or um, in another book, actually, was it Flowers for Algernon? Or, yeah, maybe that one. He was saying that people are very good for the most part to not tease somebody who's, like, physically disabled. Like, they know that's, like, a very bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. But as soon as somebody has, like, a lower IQ or they're, like, they can't keep up with, like, a conversation, they're, like, very quick to, like, tease them or, like, make them feel outcasted as if, like, a mental disability isn't. Yeah. Yeah. And even then, I think that's a that's a recent thing. Like, yeah, I'm sure in the 50s or I don't know, older mm-hmm. people, <laughs> like it was totally fine to tease someone with a visible disability. Well, not fine, but yeah, know, like it I think was everything common. was like fine back then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no. Yeah. Do you think about like with like I don't know why my mind went here, but in like the 20s with like the eugenics movement and just like yeah. the, you know putting labels on people as being like morons or calling like women hysterical it was just like so much easier to put a label on someone and then have them like stowed away and you know sometimes incarcerated or like institutionalized and I feel like that's still like the basis of how we handle like anything that's not like neurotypical yeah just like a gross justification yeah 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 for sure um so I thought it was like interesting that you brought up 
that how she was saying how like it's bad that people like consider like you are schizophrenic and or that you're schizophrenic and not that you have schizophrenia Mm -hmm. Um, because I feel like she kind of wavers between yeah it's it's annoying that we're categorized like as our illness but also my illness is part of me that's true yeah Yeah. because she kind of like argued against that where it's like I where almost she didn't mind being Mm -hmm. like I'm a a schizophrenic instead of like Mm -hmm. and like I understand that because like I feel like I wouldn't be me without my mental illnesses Mm -hmm. like you would be a totally different person Mm-hmm. So I think it also, but that also does root back to the problem on how people deal with mental illness because then it's like, okay, so my therapist is only seeing me as my illness, whereas and as it as a totally bad thing, like as a, a so horrible, like demonized, yeah, something. Yeah. But instead of like figuring out how do I live with this and like accept it as a part of me, mm-hmm. and I don't even like I would like to you know say America is just the worst worst of this, but I think that's a problem with like all people who talk to other people in general. Because, like, when they say something's wrong with them, like, you're not looking for the silver linings. You're like, oh, that sucks. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, this is a burden you have to carry. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I think her... This is the first time that I feel like I've heard anyone with the mental illness say how much how they appreciated it, in a way. Mm-hmm. Or, like, how it's helped them. And then, like, you think about, okay, well, I can kind of relate to that. And I think in, the, in a way that also helps you cope with your own mm-hmm. mental illnesses. This reminds me of, um, I guess it's also kind of a recent thing where with the whole, like, BLM movement that people would say, like, oh, I don't see color. Yeah. And that for, up until recently, I think that was, like, a supposed to be like a woke thing to say to be like oh I don't judge yeah. anyone I or just like don't acceptable. see yeah. yeah color blindness yeah. yeah and it wasn't until I think like somebody like was hosting something around like BLM at work and they mentioned how that saying like I don't see color is actually offensive to somebody um who is of color because you're basically saying like I don't like they actually want you to see their color like see my history see my roots see where I come from like acknowledge the fact that this is who I am and what I've been through and like I clearly have had a different journey because of my skin color compared to your skin color and so you're actually like you're acknowledging that whatever privilege you have and that they might not have is like part of each of your identities yeah and that's why like saying that is kind of could be like deemed as offensive but I feel like she also does that in the sense of being like, well, don't say that I'm, like, totally fine and normal because it is also, like, that's part of my journey is, like, yeah. how I've come here dealing with that. So, exactly. yeah, it's fine to acknowledge that I've had this condition. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and it doesn't make me bad. And I think yeah. that's, yeah. Also, like, what she's trying to do is to just, like, make it less stigmatized. So. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was interesting how she kind of, like, wonders, like, who would I be if my schizophrenia were just completely erased, you know, because it's been Mm -hmm. a part of me for so long. It's, like, affected my whole life. Like, would I even have a personality? Like, would I be a person? And, yeah, I feel like that applies to a lot of people with mental illness. Like, you can't just wipe it away, you know. It affects, like, every part of our lives. Yeah, that's true. Oh, did this book make you think differently about anything? Did it introduce you to a new point of view or any new concepts? Well, we'd already talked about how, like, the context was completely out of, at least, like, Shivani and I's element of... <laughs> yeah, like, it made, it made me realize how much I don't know about, like, mental illness and mm-hmm. yeah. how we treat it. I feel like it, it reinforced a lot of 
what I already knew. Like the fact that universities will just like literally kick you out of school for having a mental illness without any like rhyme or reason just for the liability like mm-hmm. alone. And that's only in America too. Like that does not happen in other countries. I don't know. I feel, I don't think I was introduced to anything new. I think it was just a way more in-depth look because I've never seen like literally a first-hand account who's experienced all every single terrible thing like a woman could experience mm-hmm. in life. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Like and already being like a woman of color who's like already in a position that like yeah. you're not yeah, yeah not to say like, like different like, people of color experience different things at different mm-hmm. degrees, but yeah, like not a a white woman in a rich family. Yeah, 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 and the fact that like her her parents were immigrants and like her mom's side of the family did have like a family history being institutionalized and yeah. like mental illness, but it wasn't documented in the same way it might be here, mm-hmm. and it just it must feel like you're totally starting from scratch. And, like, I think about that with my family, too. If there's, like, mental illness or or any, even, like, you know, physical conditions that because they were living somewhere, like, rural or without, like, resources or that we just, like, will, will not know about mm-hmm. until, like, you know, I've been, like, my family's been in America for, like, more generations, yeah. you know, and, like, you're able to, like, follow a pattern and document it. Yeah. Like, I feel like so much more just isn't documented. That's when so you're coming true. here as an immigrant. Yeah, so I actually, like, talking about this book, I, my dad just was saw me reading it and he, like, asked about it. And I was like, oh, this is the book I'm reading. And then he starts to go, and this is the first time I ever heard about this. I guess my, his cousin had schizophrenia. Oh. And, yeah, which I never knew about until he told me about it. And then he told mm-hmm. me. How in college, I guess this woman, and he went, he was like, like medically diagnosed. Uh, no, because so this was India, so they didn't, I don't know, I'm sure they were like, oh, he has issues, and that was Mm -hmm. like the extent of it. Um, but the way it started was they they were in college, and he was like really smart, like brilliant his whole life, Mm -hmm. and he went to like IIT, like the very Mm -hmm. nice, yeah, Yeah. the Harvard of the the Harvard of the the engineering of the India, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I guess, like, a woman, I think she completed suicide there, so, at the universe? I I don't remember if it, it, maybe she, like, jumped off the building? I don't remember. I think um, suicide IITs are pretty common. Yeah. Like, like, super Much more than they, yeah. Yeah, so that basically triggered him, and he started seeing her, like, ghost Hmm. everywhere, and then from there, just, like, kind of went more and more into, like, a psychosis of, like, yeah, just, like. Mm-hmm. more like insane stuff that he was seeing and like hearing um and eventually they were like oh this is schizophrenia actually i think he was diagnosed because he was taking medication eventually mm. but um he didn't have like a like a strong support system which i think is actually very cool to see with like esme because it was a very like she has a very different condition than i think like majority of people deal with when it comes to mental illness and her family Almost, like, just... And maybe this is honestly Asian culture, which I also wanted to ask you how that mm-hmm. fits in. But, like, where you... No matter what, you take care of your family. Even, like, you don't send them off and you don't, like, not look at them. Same with even, like, old age homes. Like, that's not a thing in India. And even, like, Indian families in America. Mm-hmm. Like, they stay with you. It is family's responsibility. So I feel like that honestly kind of helped her or, like, was a benefit in that way. And then the fact that she had, like... The best man ever, like the, her husband. The yeah. Also just oh my gosh, that like, would like bring tears to my eyes. Yeah. Just, like, yeah. Like, how so beautiful sweet. their relationship is. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I think that was 
definitely like a benefit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think about that too, how she does describe herself as more like high functioning and mm-hmm. the fact that she was able to go through like a traditional school system, like she went to Yale and she like got her master's and she was able to like, like accomplish those things um, and write this book. But there are like so many people who just don't have like that support system or like those privileges to get to the point to like write about their experiences and I feel like it like it's like the cycle of just being misunderstood mm-hmm. you know and like so this is a book by someone who was like able to write it like what yeah. would the experience of someone like not mm-hmm. at a place where they would be able to write it be like, mm-hmm. like yeah I guess those are things that you just never know because they like won't be able to tell their story yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and even like she was in that room I think getting to talk to those like few schizo like other people with schizoaffective disorder and she I think she said like she had I think she had a very low functioning or diagnosis or something and then she was like but I feel like I am high functioning compared to like these people I'm talking to yeah yeah but technically they are all diagnosed with the same thing so I feel like it's just interesting like how did she make it out with the same diagnosis as these people who did not and not that she's out, like, I feel like she still has a lot to deal with. But, mm-hmm. yeah. What did you want to ask about the Asian culture? Oh, yeah. So do you think her, like, I guess, Asian family heritage background benefited her in any way? Or do you think it hurt her in any way? Like, which I guess we kind of touched about how it could have hurt her. Because, like, India does not diagnose, like, a lot of issues. Or they, like, want to pretend, like... Our family's perfect. Doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah, That's so true. I think that, like, with your cousin's case, like, you never knew about it because, like, then your family moved to the States and you're, like, far removed from it. So even if, like, it is diagnosed, like, in your country of origin, like, as, you know, when you immigrate halfway across the world, then that's, that's lost. That's, like, lost history that you can't really, Mm -hmm. like, you can't, like, talk to your cousin, really, unless... Yeah, well, my dad's cousin. Oh, okay. Actually, yeah, no, he died. Yeah, sorry to bring it up. Um, do you know if your if his parents were like supportive or helpful or tried? To I honestly it? don't know a lot. The honest, the last thing my dad said was like the, the biggest regret in my life was not supporting him more because they. I think they wrote him off as just like crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but actually, my uncle ended up like taking him in and taking care of him for like. A long time, but uh, and then I think it also is like you hide them away, like in Indian culture, yeah, yeah, which I'm sure like similar to like Asian, mm-hmm. like Chinese culture and stuff, yeah. I remember in the beginning, her parents like they seemed a bit distant or like they didn't want to talk about it, like avoiding about like her potentially dealing with this. And she also mentioned like she found out later through her mom that there was somebody else in her family who was who had schizophrenia, and she just wasn't like it was likely that she could have gotten it, but like her mom had her anyways. Like, that was also, like, when she started questioning about, like, whether she, I should have kids or not, which was, like, that's another thing I want to unpack. Oh, yeah. Like, that was heavy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but the, about, like, the bringing Asian culture into it, I feel like, in the beginning, I don't think her parents reacted in a way that made me feel like, oh, that's such a typical Asian reaction. I feel like it was just more of, like, schizophrenia in general is, like, so unspoken about that I think mm-hmm. any parent would naturally just kind of be like, uh, how do I deal with this? I don't really know what to do. 
And it seems like throughout, like, especially when she was at Yale, and then especially and after that as well, like, they, they ended up being such a good support system, at least her mom. Like, her mom, she was living with her mom, yeah. and her mom would take care of her, and, like, she would call her mom if she ever I had, like, an episode. I can see my mom doing that. Like, I feel exactly, like this is yeah. a huge representation. Yeah, and I could I, I understand how like my parents would initially be shocked by anything like that, but I know that I, I like to believe that I think regardless of the Asian culture or not, that the parents would eventually be like supported to some degree. Uh, so yeah, I think it was pretty characteristic of general parents, not so much like Asian culture. Yeah, and so she there's like a quote like about like the hell having kids thing. I'm just I don't want to have to put a child through having me as a mother. Mm, mm-hmm. So which is like that hit. Yeah, I was like oh my god, because it's like I I'm always been like very questionable like about having kids for like many reasons. But um, reading that line, I was like that should never be the reason that you don't want to have kids if you're like choosing to not have kids. Mm. I mean, like it should never be just tragic. Yeah. It also, I feel like it's a different kind of sad when the choice to make kids is, like, made for you Mm -hmm. versus, like, when you get to decide and you're like, oh, should I do it? Should I not? Like, oh, such a good question. But, like, when it's been done, like, or you have, like, a condition where you can't for some reason. Yeah, or, like, you have to have a hysterectomy or something. Like, Yeah, yeah. that feels a lot more, oh, like, I never got to contemplate it. It Yeah. It was, yeah. That feels like a different kind of pain. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure. Yeah. But then it's also, like, is the pain you're feeling just because, like, you were bred to believe that your function is to, like, procreate as a woman? Or is it, like, you're actually upset, you know? It's... Yeah. Yeah. But I think even in a way, like, man or woman, it does give you, like, a sense of clear purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To procreate? Well, to have a kid. Yeah. It's like, I have to... It's like a surefire way to, like, find meaning. (laughs) Yeah. Definitely. To continue. It's like something that's, you know, bigger than you. Yeah. More than you. Yeah. 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 It's like, why should I wake up tomorrow? Oh, this, mm-hmm. this is <laughs> yeah. the name of your kid. Like, that's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I really like the scenes of her, like, working at that summer camp and just how, like, caring and nurturing she was mm-hmm. to that kid who was, like, mm-hmm. being bullied by the other campers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and... And it almost seems like for a moment you think she'll just do a complete 180 and be like, no, that made that made me realize, like, I want to have kids or yeah. I want to, like, be a mother. Yeah. But it kind of like, seems like, yeah. yeah, like, this decision's been made for her. Because it seemed like she kind of wants to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at that point, too, I was like, oh, maybe she changed her mind. I was so yeah. sure, like, because she seemed to handle that kid very well. And even yeah. her husband agreed, so... That was actually, uh, speaking of, do we think the book was the right length and if there's any parts we wanted her to expand on? I was a little bit more curious about their relationship and, like, how they initially started dating and, like, how their ups and downs. Me too. I yeah. don't like, read a whole love story. That's just, yeah. like, right? the timeline of them. Yeah. yeah. I imagine that she kept it. I mean, she didn't even say his full name. So, like, I imagine mm. she kept it pretty private for, like, specific reasons. Like, yeah. just not wanting to go into that. Yeah. But for somebody to have, like, such an anchor going through that in life, I feel like that's something that I would definitely want to learn more about. And, like, how to yeah. potentially be that for someone else. Or, you know, oh. if you're going through that, like, what kind of traits are really nice to have in a person around yeah. you. So, I would have loved for her to expand a little bit more about that. Yeah. Yeah, and I wonder, like, in their relationship, if... He, I mean, I don't want to pass any judgments because, again, like, we don't know that much about them. Um, but if he feels like he can't, like, it's hard for him to need her when, she, like, she needs him so much. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if he can be totally vulnerable. Right. Um, or, like, how it would go the other way, mm-hmm. like, in times of his crisis. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't really have his perspective at all. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
That's true. Yeah, and I mean, just like the way she talks about him is so like infinite. Like she just like I don't know. It's just like how how does one find something? Like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems very clear that she and she's just like this is my constant. Yeah, and will be forever. Yeah, yeah. see, maybe C is for constant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. not sure. I think it's Chris, but yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. I think it's Chris. I kind of think about like what he sacrificed too, mm. and wonder like how he, how he feels about that. Like I think I just want to read about his perspective. Yeah, I wonder if he thinks of it like that. Like I would imagine that he doesn't think of it as a sacrifice. He just yeah, kind of, like, I like her, and this is part of the deal. But it's yeah. more because yeah. like everybody comes with their sense of like vices, right? We were talking about this yeah. morning, like what are your vices? But um, yeah, and she seems like somebody who is very well aware of what it's like to be around her. Like talking about how she felt like she would be as a mother. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if he thinks of their relationship and like it's just yeah, it's just what it is. It's not so much like. I have to really change myself or do anything to accommodate her. Yeah. 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 And I think that, I, well, I mean, as shitty as, like, it takes that to, like, show the audience that, like, I'm not just a schizophrenic. Like, I have, like, um, there's a person in there, too, like, an individual and the illness. Um, But I think it takes, I don't know, because, like, when someone loves you like that, it's because they're seeing, like, the authentic you mm-hmm. and can kind of, like, shave off the sides. So, I don't know, I feel like it's, it's like, the most he- humanizing thing of, like, the illness. Mm-hmm. Or, like, just hearing someone who is schizophrenic. Yeah. That's probably also why it's so important for her to have someone like him in her life. Because mm-hmm. you need that sense of, um, kind of, like, someone to bring you back to a sense of reality that I am here and I'm loved and I'm going back in the world just, like, you and all your friends and stuff like that, instead of feeling like you're dealing with something alone and needing to, like, calm yourself down. Like, I think one of her episodes, she was saying that, uh, like, she was in the closet, and she was like, don't come in, and she was mm-hmm. kind of, like, having a breakdown. And, I mean, there was very little he could do, because she just kept saying, like, go away, go away, like, I don't want you around me. Yeah. Um, but I guess just, like, knowing that he's still going to be there after that, and yeah. if she does need him, he's outside, is... I think any person going through that would need someone like that. Yeah. And, like, it's just yeah. constant, like, you always have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I guess you learn to not take it personally, too. Like, I'm sure he's not like, well, why don't you want me in the closet? Like, yeah. yeah. I'm sure he's like, okay, yeah, yeah I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I feel like it's so rare to find that kind of, like, deep understanding, you know, where he's, like, able to just read her and understand her, like, immediately. And, and like, no, it's not personal. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's really special. I wonder what that's like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as I was reading, I was like wondering about my own relationship. And, like, what would it be like if one of us like had schizoaffective disorder? And, yeah, like like that was like a weight that, that was put on our relationship, or some, yeah, you know, something that we like because that's learned. like a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and they met when they were pretty young, like they were still in college. Yeah, like yeah, she's experiencing diagnosed it. Yeah. Maybe they would, like, go to a bar in New Haven or something. And yeah. I was like, hey. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> so cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think I, I noticed one of the quotes on there that, like, um, when she told her mom that she was thinking about committing suicide, and the mom's oh, response was that, like, hey, we should do it together. Oh, yeah. And I was yeah. like, classic Asian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I don't know if that was, like, guilt. 
Um, I could absolutely see my mom responding in that way. <laughs> yeah, I could too. But I feel like my mom would be doing it as like a really dark joke. Yeah, so I don't, yeah. did you guys read, read it as a joke? Uh, yeah, good well, question. That's just a vibe that I was getting relating it to my situation. Yeah. But it could have also just been like, uh, like blatant honesty, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and, and maybe that is hinting at something that like her mom has experienced like mental illness yeah. and, or mental health issues and they've just never talked about it because again, yeah. it's like too stigmatized to talk about. Yeah. I think that's what happens with like just like that generation and like the baby versus like our generation where we're like more we're gonna try to recognize it and we're gonna like almost like self-diagnose ourselves with like whatever we can um whereas their generation starts to do the opposite which was like hide it or eat it yeah and like we actually have like the language yeah to say like what we're going through yeah i feel like that kind of comes up as an argument i guess my parents would make this argument too where they would say, like, oh, all these, like, terms, like, anxiety and depression and stuff, like, you, you don't hear these things in India, like, it's just not a thing, like, you know, and I'm like, I don't think it's because it's not a thing, I think no, people I think just they're don't all talk happy about all it. The time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a very high picture, like, to love being married at 12 years old. Child loves is great. You should, like, clarify that we're Indian, so it's, like, not, yeah. it's okay oh that you talk yeah. about this. Yeah. <laughs> I think like why do they like what do they have against India? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 I think our names haven't given that. Oh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> that happened with um related to COVID too. Somebody was saying like, oh, India has like <laughs> such a low like mortality to positive test results. Like such few people die, even though there's like there's about like a little bit less than like what America has, which is like pretty good for such a high population. Mm-hmm. And someone else was like, that's just because none of the cases are being reported. Like you think yeah. that's because that's the actual number of cases. Like there's no it's way. They're handling it well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although like a lot of countries like India, I think the Philippines and like, I don't know, the Asian area, mm-hmm. um, they're like crazy strict where they're just beating people if they're like out on the street. Yeah. So it could be helping. Yeah. In a not okay way, but mm-hmm. it could be helping. Yeah. They there, report it. <laughs> yeah. There is also, I don't know if India in particular is like this. I'm sure it is like some certain aspects of Hinduism, but they might not, not necessarily that depression and anxiety or mental health is taboo, but they also might look at mental states in a different way, in a way that might be just like healthier. They don't consider it like to be like a... Again, I don't know if this is just India, but I know, like, certain aspects of, like, Buddhism are like this, and maybe, like, other countries are around India, where... I think that is, like, fireworks. Like, like, <laughs> oh, I hope it's... I mean, it is, like, the movies tend to be. <laughs> yeah. There are a lot of deer around. Yeah, that's um, my guess. But, yeah, I think in a lot of... In certain cultures where it's, like, very community-focused, they just look at it more of, like, this is just a temporary state of being you're like a little bit upset right now like let's analyze this and like let's move on instead of like marking it as like necessarily like depression like mm-hmm. or then like now we need to get you help or now we need to like yeah. put you on this medication it's more of like yeah i'm feeling down and i'm just gonna like sit with it for a little bit and then move on mm-hmm. there are like communities that do that so maybe that's also happening alongside people not talking about it and <laughs> not so much like just <laughs> Don't want to say that everybody is just dealing with it the same way. Yeah. Any other highlights? I wanted to talk about, like, that scene um, where she tells a story. It, I don't think it was someone she knew, but it was 
like a story about a girl who um, was like attempting to commit suicide in her dorm room, and then her dorm mates like called the campus police on her, hmm. and just like how the their reaction. Oh yeah. Yeah, because she like refused to like lift up her sleeves and just in front oh, of everyone. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and kind of like the cops like or the campus police officers like reaction to that was like to wrestle her to the ground. Yeah. And, like, I think Stone like handcuffing. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Yeah, and just, like, how that just seems to be a theme throughout the novel, that, like, mental illness is something that just needs to be, like, controlled by violence and and force, especially with, like, hospitalizations, like, that idea that, like, if she told Yale she was, like, on an, um, like, on a voluntary medical leave, then that would, like, increase her chances to come back, and I just thought that was kind of interesting, like, this idea that if it's voluntary... Yeah. Versus involuntary, that just, like, makes such a huge difference in yeah. how people perceive you and how they how they think of, like, your functioning. Yeah. And I think that's also a problem with, like, a lot of jobs. Like, if you have anxiety or depression, like, I don't know how well you're going to get, like, law enforcement or, like, government jobs. Or, I mean, when it, like, not, like, you know, cops, but, like, detectives or, like, upper-level law enforcement. Um, yeah. This reminds me of a point that she brought up, just kind of showing how terribly mental health is handled. Um, I think it's this one, yeah. Uh, there are inevitable parallels between involuntary hospitalization and incarceration. In both circumstances, a confined person's ability to control their life and their body is dramatically reduced. They're at the mercy of those in control. They must behave in prescribed ways to acquire privileges and eventually perhaps to be released. So that was just like how being hospitalized in some of these like mental health focused hospitals are feels like being in jail um, but then she also mentioned that nearly 1.3 million people with mental illness are incarcerated in state and federal jails and prisons for those of us living with severe mental illness the world is full of cages where we can be locked in and that reminded me of like the police just like treating her as if she was an animal and being like well you have a, even though she has, it's like a, it's a mental condition, they're like, you committed a crime, like, they're treating her as if, like, she needs to be, like, tamed, and, like, yeah. and then she probably, like, yeah, it became a police matter, the fact that it even became a police matter is, like, showing how much we're treating it equivalent to, like, being a crime, mm-hmm. to, like, have something that's, like, off. Mm-hmm. Right, and I really don't, I just don't understand, like, why, like, you know, forcing someone to be hospitalized or, like, basically, like, incarcerating incarcerating them, like, not giving them the option to leave if they want to, like, how that's supposed to benefit, like, like, recover, or how that's supposed to help you recover, um, like, after you have an episode or, like, you know, like, what the girl did, like, attempted suicide and, and, like, it's, it's just weird, like, that's what our response is to so many different things. Yeah. Like, just, like, be, like, you have to be isolated from society. Like, we're not going to try and give you resources. Like, I, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think what was really messed up was also how she compares it to, like, incar- like being institutionalized to incarceration. is like, like, there's no choice. Like, you didn't get to choose what you ate. You didn't get to choose what you wore. You didn't even get to choose what you, like, a valuable thing, anything. Like, any of your personal items to have with you. Um, and I think that, like, having that autonomy takes, like, such a or not having that autonomy takes, like, such a mental toll on you that you don't even expect. Mm-hmm. It is kind of, like, dehumanizing, like... Yeah. You know, they don't see the humanity in you 
and they don't allow yeah. you to like decide. And it's a common tactic yeah. that was used in like during the Holocaust, like to mm. break down like Jews and like same. They did like that scientific like psychology study where they use like college students and they assign people prisoners and then they assign oh yeah yeah Yeah. and they were just like crazy brutal to them because yeah so when you dehumanize someone by like not giving them choice choosing for them Mm -hmm. you're making that individual feel like they are less Mm -hmm. and then you're also making the person like the or like you know people outside of them think they are less too does that make sense yeah (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) like even even if it's not like backed by like, even science or, like, understanding about mental health is just, like, the, like, this is the dynamic we're going to use. And yeah, this but they're is not really people. It. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What blows my mind, though, is that it feels pretty clear that by putting somebody who's already, like, mentally not doing well in what is either, like, a jail or, like, the equivalent of a jail in a hospital, like, that's obviously not going to help their condition, and if not, if anything, it's going to make it worse, and it's just going to keep furthering, like, any potentially, should they go return to society, it's only going to make things worse for everyone. I feel like I don't get why that connection isn't more obvious in this whole, like, jail system of, yeah. for mental health. Yeah. It seems like nothing's changed. Just like, mm-hmm. You know, just have, like, fancier words for it. Yeah. Yeah, that was really interesting, like, the journalist you talked about who, like, pretended to be mentally ill and who would, like, kind of try and admit themselves and would spend, like, two weeks there. Mm. And it would be, like, pretty hard for them, I think, to, like, try and get out because if you, like, believe you're well enough to leave, then, you know, they'll want to detain you more. Mm. Or if you, like, I don't know, like, how, if they're already putting that label on you, like, you're someone who needs to be controlled and Mm. isolated from society, like, how do you work work yourself out of that mm-hmm. yeah it almost seems like they're they're like ready to like hospitalize you and incarcerate you like before really giving you a chance mm-hmm. yeah like, there were some stories she mentioned that did truly freak me out about people that i, I can't remember if they're specifically they had schizophrenia or they were like similar what was it like schizophrenia Schizoaffective. Schizoaffective. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> um, like the the guy who was shot by his sister. Yeah. Oh yeah. But he was like staring at them sleeping, talking about how like the yeah, daughter like, wanted to like yeah. yeah. Like okay, I'm not saying that it was justified for him to die, but like yeah, mm. I'd be really freaked out. I at least want him like away from my child. Yeah. Um. Even and then, like she talked about how she understood it from both sides too. Yeah, yeah, like the author. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know, like, that's just, like, the height Terrif- of terrifying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and then, like, the the two, like, was it, like, teenagers? or the like the... Yeah. yeah. Oh, like, that freaked me out. at night. <laughs> and just the, the lack of any emotion. For the one that actually was dealing with schizophrenia to, like, a more severe degree, not so much, like, roped in, but it's just very much, like... No, needed to be done. Like this was this yeah. is what I was told, and that was it. Like at that age, I like that much conviction over something that's like so clearly wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And she that made such freaky. a good point. Like when she was a kid, and she would convince her friends that they were part of this like book world. Like that's the extent to it. 
you know, like it didn't really go further than that. But mm-hmm. and she was like, I don't, like I can't even imagine what my up or like what my adolescence would be like if I had access to like the internet. And I and I'm just yeah, imagining like yeah. all these like gr- like um like four chan or. I don't know, like, mm. like the Reddit discussions about this he stuff. He went on, even. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. seriously. And it's just, like, I, and it, it kind of makes me think about, like, everything that's happened in the past couple weeks and mm. with, like, mm. what happened at the Capitol, just, like, the, like, having access to this much information on the internet, like, is kind of a curse. Yeah. Like, this sure. reminds me of a quote that I found. Okay, yeah, so this, there was a tweet about this very topic um, by Melissa Chan. I think she's like an investor of sorts. Um, she said, the best thing about the internet is that people who felt completely alone can find a community that shares their worldview and organize. The worst thing about the internet is that people who felt completely alone can find a community that shares their worldview and organize. <laughs> <laughs> that sums it up. Right? So like, no matter who you are, um, where you come from, it's awesome. You can find your place. But then people who use that as like, a way to like fill a void that's when it gets really dangerous and I mean it just goes to show also like the Facebook groups that there are that are very unregulated you can basically make a Facebook group for anything and talk about anything and I mean I don't know what their moderation team is doing but it's not it's not being handled over there mm-hmm. um and it was there was a lot of like talks about like white supremacist discussions happening in those Facebook groups and it wasn't um until, like, Trump was, so he was banned, like, you know, he's, like, banned from all these, like, social media sites, and I think he was permanently banned from Twitter, but he basically came out and was like, well, if they're going to ban me, I'm just going to make, like, my own platform, and I'm sure there's going to be developers out there that'll be happily obliged to, like, go make this platform, but it just feels like no matter, the technology has gotten to a point that it's not so much it feels almost hopeless to try to control it because no matter what you do, even if you shut them down, they'll find a different way to get their outlet. Like, it doesn't feel like that's going away and they'll find some way to organize. I mean, whether it's like a Zoom call, like, I don't know. They'll yeah. like, and just like a Google Calendar invite or something. But it's yeah. just terrifying how people can like find just the craziest of the crazy things on the web. Because she also said like, um, I can't imagine like being a child with schizophrenia having like a youtube account like i would just go crazy like watching all these like wild stories and like believing everything and like i mean she could barely sit in a movie and like not have it affect her deeply so like yeah i thought it was crazy that they both had like us the same like the same psychosis and the same well, yeah what are the chances yeah. that they would like can, like become friends at the school and like yeah conspire with each other it's just like a worst case scenario I feel like not not yeah. that like they would be friends but that yeah. like together like yeah they just how, yeah the, see reality yeah like, the reality yeah. that would happen mm-hmm. yeah like they yeah. were able to convince each other of this like, yeah reality yeah. yeah yeah and granted yeah that was like a very like not a terrible instance when they just ran out of the movie and were like oh we're feeling the same shit Mm-hmm. whereas yeah. like yeah if it was like a deep psychosis into like a totally new world which is basically what happened with the Slenderman case mm-hmm. um then it would like just that psychosis with two people with the same disorder or schizoaffective disorder mm-hmm. that was really unsettling to read about I feel like I yeah. had to take like take it in chunks I've seen definitely like 
true crime, but a true crime stuff about December Ninjas. Okay, I was gonna say like you you both have heard about him before. Yeah. All this. Yeah. yeah, that took place like twenty minutes from where I lived in Wisconsin. Oh, that's Wisconsin. Yeah. The two it's girls. Like a suburb of Milwaukee. Yeah. Whoa. That's crazy. Ugh. Yeah. Very eerie. Yeah. Yeah, but I guess they were like trying to also. It's funny how not funny. It's like insane how people can like kind of impose their own psychosis on like like another person like the folly do thing where like it's like joint psychosis mm-hmm. which there's actually like a set of twins that like similar kind of situations that have happened where like one of them has like you know some some see things and like hallucinate and like have voices talking to them and stuff and then all of a sudden they can get like the other twin to like share in their same psychosis who mm-hmm. has no other like history of mental illness or anything oh wow yeah which is yeah i think what happened because one of them got diagnosed right and it's the only one case known mm-hmm. the yeah. other one didn't yeah, yeah it's just... actually the one who was like the the partner who like got roped in like she's the one with schizophrenia the one who did the stabbing right because she yeah. no, I, I thought it was the opposite the one who oh. did the stabbing was almost like convinced by she was the one that was getting that was convinced by the one who was schizophrenic yes yeah. yes yeah, yeah. That also, like, the way you hurt someone says a lot, too. Like, this wasn't, like, a gunshot. Like, granted, I don't know where they would get guns. But, like, mm-hmm. to, like stab somebody, it bring them into a forest, stab them, like, 16 times. And then I don't know how this, like, was, like, a 12-year-old. She survived and, like, crawled out of a forest and was found. The same thing that you said with that girl and the hitchhiker thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh, I don't know how a body of that, like, little petitness, like, survives all of that, but... Yeah, like, someone happened to be biking by, and he asked her, like, who did this to you, and she said, my best friend. Yeah. It's like... Well, that's, like, your whole world at that age. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't even... You're, like, annoyed with your parents. like, if you guys did that to you. Oh, my God. (laughs) We were best friends in middle school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly But yeah, you are so. We were so like deeply influential to each other. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Our senses of humor. Yeah, I mean, your friends are like your constant at that age, especially. Yeah, because you're not telling your parents anyway. Exactly. Reject your parents. Yeah, (laughs) especially when you're like first gen. Oh (laughs) yeah. You need friends that are that get that both sides. Yeah. For sure. Well, is there any other highlights? Mm, I'm glad I gave this book a chance. Yeah. yeah, I love it. Um, I think, yeah, I think we hit it all. Do we have like an outro? Oh, there were two. Oh, there's just so many good little one-liners. That you're just like, oh, yeah, that's like, nice. I love it. a great writer. I just randomly underlined things with no other. Like she said, suicide demands a narrative, but rarely, if ever, gives one. You always want to know why. Why did you do it? Yeah. But- Oh, I um, looked up the, like, photographs of that, like, artist that she mentioned, like, Mm -hmm. Francesca Woodward, and they're, like, quite unsettling. Oh. Yeah, and I feel like it's almost interesting, like, looking at those while thinking about this book, Mm -hmm. because I wonder, like, what she found in those photos. Mm. Like, yeah. I would imagine they were a bit disturbing. Yeah, we could look at them now, if you don't mind, like, Mm. just Googling Francesca Woodward. So I actually thought it was like, so like from what I've heard about schizophrenia is that a lot of the time it can lie like just dormant in you like forever, but like usually it's like trauma that brings it to the forefront. So, and like in her case, she was like abused and I think like raped. Oh God, I don't know if it was. Oh yeah. yeah, They're like a little creepy. I I mean, most of them aren't that bad. They're just... 
Oh. Yeah, it's just... They're, they're unsettling. Yeah. But I don't think... They're all, like, still... I don't know. It's not super creepy. Hmm. Yeah, I can tell she's very intentional about each, mm-hmm. like, pose. I've honestly never crop. seen anyone do photo- photography like this. Like, it. Yeah, I was thinking that, too. Yeah. Like, well, this is, like, some BDSM type... Oh, yeah, stuff. I can see that. It's pretty forward for her time. Yeah. Well, this is the 70s. Yeah. yeah. But I feel like that's right when it started coming out, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I wonder, like, how an artist like this would do today. Like, could she post these to Instagram? <laughs> Probably not. Are you... Do you get flagged for nudity on Instagram? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Because I think Rihanna's tit got censored out. Whoa. <laughs> like, from... No, Rihanna. No, I that. <laughs> yeah, I <added> that part out. <laughs> Oh, um, this is related to what we were talking about in the car yesterday. Uh, Jitter brought up that she, you said, correct me if I'm wrong, like, you like pushing yourself to make memories with people because it helps you, it's like a way of marking your, your, your like, existence. Yeah. Yeah. It, like, reminds you that, like, you were here. Yeah. If you're, like, in people's memories. Oh, wow. I thought that was really nice. Aww. But she had a quote related to that. All photographs are a memento mori. I don't know what that means, but to take a photograph is to participate in another person or thing's mortality, vulnerability, mutability. To take a photograph, in other words, is to participate in one's own reality, to be a true member of the world of things. I feel like that's similar to like being in a memory of somebody. It's like yeah. shows that you were, yeah, in their shared reality. Yeah, and you I, remember. I like that because I feel like before I used to think of a photographer as someone who just observes and is kind of like an audience member to the world around them and I like that you're like actively participating you're like a part of things too you know like I'm not just in your memory like I'm actively like a part of it or I like you're a part of mine too like it's Mm -hmm. like a two-way street it's not just like yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you're like taking Mm -hmm. it out of like context so like you get to tell the story that you want to tell yeah it just is like when you interact with people like they see the side of you that they saw. They don't see, like, when you have road rage or something. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Like, if that's the only impression you have of someone that tells different stories. A memory is so personal. Like, somebody... You could have a memory of somebody, or think when they, you think of them, think of them in, like, such a positive light, and then, like, when they think of you, they might be, like, totally neutral. Like, they don't even, like, oh, she's just, like, that person that I met or something in a bus or some, something like that. But it's very much, like, how the memory of you is written in their head that, like, makes it personal. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what can make it feel, like, so, like, yeah, yeah. Or like, like what you were talking about, like, feeling like you're part of their realities. Mm-hmm. If they, if you have that impact in their minds, in their memory of yeah. you. Yeah, it's such a weird realization to think, like, like, you're a person that, like, people meet or that, yeah. like, people talk to, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, you, like, come up in people's heads. Yeah. 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 I live yeah. in your head for, like, rent-free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know you pay. <laughs> I don't know. Someone once said, like, that's, like, holding a grudge is, like, letting someone live in your head for rent-free. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're not thinking about you. Exactly. Last note. This made me feel a little bit better, but more of, like a chuckling like the world is dying kind of better. Uh, (laughs) 
Uh, I was intrigued by the idea of finding a way to make sense of my idiosyncrasies and anxieties. When I mentioned this to Bree, she laughed and said, I'm sorry to tell you this, but belief does not simplify life. This is related to like her religious or like looking into being religious. Because that's something that I think I I kind of resort to in some cases where I'm like, oh, if I was just like super religious, all this yeah. would go away. Like I wouldn't think about these things so much or like life would be a lot easier. Yeah. yeah. Or if I just had a sense of like, like any, even the littlest bit of dogma. I feel like I have absolutely no dogma. I'm just yeah. like no guidance from like any other kind of sense of like what is right or wrong. It's very much like how are we handling today? Like, what's going on now? Okay, let's, okay, now next step. And, like, knowing that people that do feel a sense of, like, belief or higher power, that they still feel this sense of, like, complexity in their life is nice. Not that, like, I know that they do have those, their own dealings and all that, but, yeah, it was a, it was a nice little reminder that, like, you can't just think that, well, if you were just a certain way, or ra- maybe you were raised very religiously, things would you would think differently about things, yeah. or at least deal with think less about things. I should say. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like it's it's very uh, like correlational when like the trauma you've experienced growing up versus like the content you then produce, like either mm-hmm. creatively or like just the impact you have on the world is always way deeper. I feel like if you have less traumas like it's not I don't know yeah I feel like to be human is to experience trauma yeah Mm -hmm. yeah but we like antagonize trauma so much I mean yeah and and I feel like we're just now starting to understand like how it impacts the brain or yeah or like under under, like that you know in teaching it's like we're just now starting to be taught like how to handle like trauma-based instruction and being sensitive to trauma and I I almost wonder, like, why is this just now becoming normalized to talk about? Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, how do we close? Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's been nice. Let's do it. (laughs) Thanks for drinking with us. Mm. Yeah, eggnog and yeah, yeah, and yeah. Fire. You're really <laughs> over It's like this is what you were doing in the cabin. <laughs> yeah. No, it was just general. Yeah. <laughs> fire, just the fire. Yeah, candles. Mm-hmm. We are candles. currently around a fire and some candles, yes, and we hope fires. that wherever you are is just as cozy. Yeah. Thank you for joining us on this exploratory journey down mental health and yeah. culture and what it means to be a woman yes and, and the garbage that comes along yes and the all the garbage the, the, gar- the beautiful garbage mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. the fragile garbage <laughs> <laughs> stop saying garbage <laughs> that's what we should call it <laughs> garbage <laughs> the collected board. garbage essays. <laughs> <laughs> collected garbages. Oh, uh, trash. Like mm, trash garbage. garbage. Trashy gals. Yeah. <laughs> 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 the garbage gals. <laughs> 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 Alright. Alright. Peace out. Later. Peace out, Cub Scouts. <laughs> Woo!